one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. We like that. You like that. That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. It's the second weekend of December. The Christmas shopping crunch is on. I hope you're getting yours done. This is the Beyond the Game program, sports talk without the trash talk. I'm Rick Benson, and with me, as always, is Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. The Beyond the Game show is recorded in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York, but the podcast is downloaded and heard all across the country and in places even around the world. In fact, to the listeners in La Mesa, California, who downloaded last week's show, we want to say hello to you. And you can visit our website. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast source may be. You even have the option to subscribe to the program, have it automatically downloaded to the device of your choice. And while you're there, please leave a review. La Mesa is the birthplace of new Yankees manager Aaron Boone. Oh. And right up your alley, Zach, it's also the birthplace of metal guitarist Dave Mustaine. Oh, yeah. As well as NBA Hall of Famer Bill Walton. Thanks for listening in La Mesa, California, or wherever you find yourself today. We've got a special guest joining us for shenanigans this week. Dan Borello is a veteran radio personality. He's a proud alum of St. John Fisher, and he joins us via the BTG studio line. Dan, thanks for being part of the show. i got to tell you, man, I'm so glad to hear you guys at WISL. I know Bob Savage and JC the last will take good care of you. You know, there's not a lot of great radio guys, period. <laughs> it's the industry. But J.C. DeLass is a great guy, and you're in good hands over there. If you're listening to the show for the first time, how this works is Zach will make a statement, and each of us will offer a brief explanation of why we agree with that statement or are calling shenanigans on it. So without further ado, here's Zach Barletta. All right, number one, the Sabres will trade Evander Kane. I agree that they will. The GM confirmed they're at least considering it. He's been the team's top scoring threat, so I'm sure there's going to be teams interested. He's in the final year of his contract, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's been a little while, but he did have some troubles here above. He had, what, he had some off-the-ice issues. He had missed practice, got suspended. There were mm-hmm. some things that, you know, maybe it would be best to start over, you know, but i tell you, I truthfully hope they don't do it. I could see where they think they might get a bunch of picks, some young talent mm-hmm. for him, but does anybody really trust the Sabres to manage young talent? I mean, they've, <laughs> they've been in this rebuilding mode seemingly forever. What do you think, Dan? You know, I actually agree that they should trade him, and I think that I'm going to go one step further. Anyone not named Eichel should be available on the trade block, and I mean that sincerely. Here's the thing about the Sabres. you got to give Bottrell a chance, just like you have to give Brandon Bean a chance in Buffalo. They haven't had the chance to pick the players yet to build the team in the vision that they've been hired to do. And with Kane, here's a prime example of why people shouldn't overreact the moment that he screws up. Now, he's screwed up several times, but every time his name has come up with a problem, immediately the guys west of Batavia on the air want to like ship him out. This is why you don't do that right away. You sleep on it. You wait. 
Why? Because if they would have shipped him out immediately, his value would have been nothing. They would have gotten nothing. He's been the best Sabres player so far this year. Now you're going to get value for him, real value. This is why you can. This is why you ride that wave as long as you can. And then at the perfect time when that hand is big, if you've seen Ocean's Eleven, with that perfect, you know, bet comes along and you bet big. I know none of us, you know, being Christians gamble, <laughs> but you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But at the end of the day, you wait for that perfect hand to come along and you bet and you bet big. And I think that's what Jason Bottrell has to do. They have to trade Evander Kane. What do you think, Zach? I agree as well. Um, you know, you mentioned the off the ice stuff, and he kind of punched his ticket out of Winnipeg with some of that locker room off the ice stuff as well. And I'm, I don't know if he fits the mold of the player that they would like to have here in Buffalo, but I think, look, it's a lost season. They're one of the worst teams in the league. They're not going to be able to make anything of this year. And I agree with what Dan said. Anything that's not nailed down needs to be on the market. Get what you can for it and uh, build over and start again next year. Number two, as crazy as it seems, I read an article last week that listed reasons why the Winnipeg Jets will be this season's Stanley Cup champs. So truth or shenanigans, the Jets will win the Cup. Yeah, I'm going to say shenanigans. We must have read the same article, and they made a great point pointing to their terrific offense. They've got a solid defense, and they're getting pretty solid goaltending. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a question whether that goaltending will continue all year, Mm -hmm. but when I look at the NHL, there's a lot of good teams. To just pick Winnipeg out of that group of good teams, I, I, listen, there's a lot of them. So, no, I'm going to say shenanigans. What do you think, Dan? I'm going to say truth. I'm going to tell you why. I got to give Ooh, out, good. again, it's December, not March. Yeah. The thing is about Winnipeg, why not Winnipeg? You got to remember the hottest team wins the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. The hottest team. And someone's going out on a limb and saying, hey, Winnipeg could be that team. Why couldn't they? Now, I'm going to tell you who's going to hate that idea NBC. I mean, you, you, hey, the Stanley <laughs> Cup pitched the uh, Winnipeg Jets against – wait, wait, who? Who? The, the Winnipeg – so, again, like NBC does not want to see that, but Canada – I don't even know if Canada wants to see it. It's like, of all the teams we could send – oh, not Toronto, not Montreal – Canada or uh, Winnipeg, really? But why not? I mean, if they're under the radar at this point, that means they can sneak up. But I'm going to tell you something. Remember the 2003 Syracuse Orange, the, the basketball team sure. with Carmelo Anthony? They were they started a season unranked. If you could rank teams as far as you can go with votes, they would have been ranked 41 or 42 in the country. They end up winning the national championship. At the end of the season, the regular season, I looked at my then partner, Brad Davies, and I said, Syracuse has got everybody right where they want them. I think Winnipeg could be that team that has everybody right where they want them because nobody's paying attention. And I applaud that writer for saying, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Winnipeg Jets are going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm going to say shenanigans just because if you give me the option to take one team or the field, I'm pretty much always going to take the field. But I agree with a lot of what Dan said. And I think back over the last few years, would anybody have predicted before last season that the Predators would be in the Cup Finals? You know, there's always that team, that it's the, whether it's the Blues or the Wild or whoever it is, that makes a deep run that nobody saw coming. And look, to get to the Stanley Cup, they're probably going to have to go through the Lightning, and the Lightning look unstoppable right now. But I'm definitely going to say that the Jets can make a deep, deep playoff run, and they are a really fun team to watch. Number three, LeVar Ball removed his son LiAngelo from UCLA following LiAngelo's suspension for his now infamous shoplifting incident in China. So truth or shenanigans, LeVar Ball is tanking his son's future NBA draft value. Why don't you lead off, Dan? Um, I'm going to say truth. 
And I'm going to say truth because it's all mired in a bunch of lies. I don't know if you follow Fox Sports 1. Jason Whitlock got it on very reliable sources that Leangelo and LeVar, when they went on the Today Show, uh, they basically lied. And there's no basically. They lied. They lied about the uh, shenanigans, per se, of the theft. He was the ringleader. He was the only one who stole from three Chinese stores. And the reason is because his credit card didn't work. So guess what? I'll just take what's mine. Not only is he impact, he's impacting his son, his youngest son's not even in school, and, and, and today the report is that LeVar's oldest son is not even seeking advice out from Laker greats who he has full access to, like Kobe Bryant, like Magic Johnson, and even like other guys in the front office. Pro sports doesn't have time for that. you got to be good to be that obnoxious. Look at Rob Gronkowski. You know why he gets away with what he gets away with? Because he's great, all right? If you're not good, they're not going to put up with you, period. Zach, I agree. Even if you take all of the character concerns aside, they're now going to be apparently playing basketball overseas. Playing basketball overseas is not the same as playing here and, and playing a, a, in a college. It, it's just not the same, and I don't think scouts are going to view it the same. And then on top of that, when you have a meddling father, you have all these character concerns there's no way he's going to be looked at the same as if he'd played out the string at UCLA. Yeah, I agree he's tanking his son's future. I'm not – look, he goes plays overseas. Some of those overseas leagues are actually pretty good. Teams weighed yeah. heavy LeVar's involvement before last year's draft considering Lonzo. And with him now interfering with the Lakers the way he is and being critical of them publicly in the press, teams are going to be even more hesitant when it comes to LiAngelo. I saw one NBA writer who said there is no chance – Leangelo is drafted by an NBA team, which might be why they're looking overseas after pulling him out of UCLA. Number four, the New York Yankees missing out on Shohei Otani means they need to make a splash in the free agent market. Your turn to go first, Zach. No, uh, I think you need to stay the course if you're the Yankees. Brian Cashman has done a fantastic job of accumulating talent, not just talent, but talent that was close to Major League Ready and is now becoming Major League Ready. They've got a great core on this team. They have a few older guys Tanaka is still there. CC Sabathia is probably coming back. You don't need to make a splash. You need those supporting pieces for the bench, the fifth starter, etc. So there's no pressure, I, I don't think, to drop a ton of money on a player who might not be a great fit just to make a splash. Dan Barello, your thoughts? Yeah, being a big-time Yankee fan like Zach is, we used to have competitions uh, who were the bigger Yankee fan was. <laughs> and I could see it to Zach because, frankly, I don't have that much time to watch as much baseball as he does. Uh, but anyway... Um, I think a lot of Yankee fans have backtracked on this since Otani told them no. For the last year, everybody linked the Yankees and Otani. Yankees, Otani. Yankees, Otani. The Yankees went out of their way to clear international pool money so they can go out and sign him. Then he turns around and says, I don't want to play on the East Coast. I don't want to go to a team with an already established Japanese star. I want to go somewhere where I could be the center of attention and a smaller market. Well, you already disqualified yourself from wanting to play in Boston or New York because that means you don't have the head for it, even though you play in, in Japan, where all eyes are on you to begin with. I can't believe that that would face him. But if he doesn't want to be there, then you can't really force his hand in the matter. What I will say this, I will say shenanigans on, under the premise that, yeah, the Yankees were all in on this guy. Don't let anybody fool you. But since he said no, now everybody's like calling sour grapes saying, well, we didn't want him anyway. No, the Yankees wanted him. Mm -hmm. Now, I hope that they don't overcorrect 
and go after somebody or make this huge trade for a Giancarlo Stanton or, or a Manny Machado unless the price is absolutely perfect for them. But I hope they don't overshoot because they missed out on Otani because it would be a huge mistake. Yeah, I say shenanigans. I agree with both you guys. They, they don't need to make a, a, a splash. I think they wanted Otani. Mm-hmm. They didn't get him. Of course, the fans are being the fans. You know, oh, you don't, we don't want you. Right. We're, we're going to have fun beating your team wherever, whatever. The Yankees, they were like, okay, I get it. He doesn't want to play here. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't need to make a splash. They came within, what, two games of winning the division? Mm-hmm. A game within going to the World Series? And maybe if they had home field advantage against the Astros, they may very well have made the World Series. I don't think they need to get a big splash. As you said, they need those accessory pieces, Zach. Mm-hmm. They they just need a couple of – they didn't lose much from that team that was within a World Series. Yeah. So you're only losing a couple of access pieces, accessory pieces. So, no, I don't think they need to make a big splash. Last but not least, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster deserved his one-game suspension for his block on notorious Bengals linebacker Vontez Burfecht that resulted in Burfecht being carted off the field. Dan Brello. I'm going to declare shenanigans, and here's why it's football. I'm tired of this, 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 this attitude where uh, the game's not safe. Yeah, it's not safe. We, everybody knows that who plays it. They teach kids how to tackle now. We've learned things about the game. You ask any ex-athlete. You watch that Chicago Bears 30 for 30 on the 85 Bears, and you have Mongo McMichael talking about how every athlete, if you could do it again, would do it again. These guys know what they're signing up for. And they know that the money that they make and the life that they live and the family they provide for comes from this game. And Juju Smith-Schuster made a perfectly legal tackle. Now, if you want to fine him for standing over perfect, that's called taunting. I get that. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. But here's what happened. Ryan Shazier makes an incorrect tackle. All of a sudden, can't have feeling. It doesn't have feeling in his legs anymore. And we almost had another Mike Utley, Kevin Everett, uh, Dennis Bird situation. Thank God we didn't have that. He made a football play. Everybody in that locker room agree with it being a football play. The only one I'm hearing dissent from is OCU Minura. Why? Because he's had time to think about it. Now that he's had time away to, 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 to reflect, I don't think he should have been fined for it. Rob Gronkowski, that's a different story. Juju Schuster-Smith made a football play. I don't have any problem with it. He should not be suspended or anything else other than a fine for taunting. See, I actually agree that he should be fine, but I'm one of those guys, Dan, that I am concerned about the player safety. I think it is a a bit of a big deal. I think the viciousness of the game, and I know I'm going to get email. People are going to say, well, you're pansy, pansifying the game. But I understand this was a bang-bang play. When I, I saw it originally, I thought it was a clean hit. But the more I've seen it, the more I think, you know, maybe it was a little high. I don't think it was intentional. Absolutely do I not think that. But I, I do think the league has to get rid of these types of plays, and helmet-to-helmet contact, I think, is an automatic, in my opinion, the best way to get him to stop. But, uh, that, look, the play was so close that I still don't know for sure whether it was a clean hit or whether it was an unintentionally dirty hit. But um, I actually agree that the one-game suspension would be fine. But I do agree with you, Dan, and we're going to get more into this later in the show, that the Gronkowski thing was completely different. Zach, what do you think about this? I say shenanigans. I didn't think that he deserved the suspension. Look, it is a very fine line now. We we know so much about concussions. 
that when you see a hit like that, at least for me, I catch my breath for just a second. Like, is the guy okay? All right, he's okay. All right, great. That was a great hit. That block to me, it looked like a perfectly legal block where the point of uh, contact was the chest. The helmet to helmet looked incidental to me. I thought that it was a legal block. I thought it was had the potential to be one of those game-changing plays that wakes up a team. But I really did not like the taunting. I didn't like standing no, over that. that. You know, especially when the guy has to be carted off the field. If you've just legitimately injured a person, it's a really bad look to stand over him. Now, to his credit, Juju apologized for that. He said, that's not who I am. You know, and from what we've seen of Juju in his brief career, I believe that coming from him, that he's a good kid. And, you know, that's not who he is. And uh, I saw a great meme on Facebook the other day of him standing over Vontez Perfect and saying, did you steal my bicycle? <laughs> and we can all laugh about that. But no, I didn't agree with the suspension, especially since Aloki had hunted Antonio Brown later in the game and got no suspension from it. That's it for shenanigans. I want to say thanks to our guest, Dan Borello, for joining us. Dan, your band Diggler's Bridge has been revised. It's out doing regular shows. What's coming up for the band? Where can people catch you? Well, we just played last night at Finger Lakes uh, Gaming and Race Track, and uh, next uh, next Friday night we're going to be playing at uh, Pineapple Jacks, which is uh, by North Star Christian Academy on Spread Support Road at nine o'clock. And uh, also, if you're a reader, and I've done a piece on you guys, uh, the Times of Wayne County. I got three pieces running today that just came out. One is about Aaron Boone being in, and others who might be the prototypical managers following his in his footsteps being empty uniforms, and another one where I took the Buffalo Bills season ticket holder survey and came up with some creative answers on how they need to, quote, fix things. So that's all we got going on in my end of the world. All right, you can get Dan the Wayne County Times. WayneTimes.com. WayneTimes.com. Look up Dan Borello or go out and see Diggler's Bridge next Friday night at Pineable Jacks. We're going to take a break. That thanks for being with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. Here's the Red Hawks recap for this week, covering the week through December 7th. The Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. A split this week for the women's basketball team. The Red Hawks dropped their first ECC match of the season against St. Thomas Aquinas, 74-68. Freshman Kyla Covington scoring 19 points to go along with 7 rebounds. In the loss, senior Lucy Cobley set a new ECC record for most three-pointers made in a career. Cobley hit two threes in the game to break the previous mark of 289, and at game's end was the all-time leader with 290. The Red Hawks rebounded on Tuesday night, defeating LeMoyne College 63-58. Cobley leading the team with 16 points on 5 of 10 shooting, including four more from beyond the line to add to her record career mark. The men's basketball team lost for only the second time this season, losing to Mansfield University at home, 82-66. Junior Peyton McLaurin led the Red Hawks, who now stand at 7-2, with 17 points. And the Roberts Wesleyan Track and Field programs opened their indoor season last Saturday at the Brockport Early Season Invite. While the men's team secured a third-place finish, the women finished first of the nine teams competing. The women took eight of the ten track events. Senior Chelsea Hayward won at 60-meter and at 400-meter and was the anchor leg of the winning 4x400-meter relay team. Junior Kathleen Omstead won the 200-meter and also was on that winning 4x400 relay team. Freshman Ashley Watson won the mile. Senior Emily Durso won the 800-meter. Junior Emily Betts won the 3,000-meter and senior Veronica Stauffer won the 5,000-meter. And congratulations to junior Christina Button setting a school record in the pantathlon scoring 2,759 points. On the men's side, freshman Josiah Adelini won in the 3,000-meter, while fellow freshman Brian Farino won in the mile. 
Catch the Red Hawks at home at the Baller Athletic Center as the men's basketball team closes out a three-game homestand, taking on St. Thomas Aquinas that's Sunday, December 10th. Game time is 2 p.m. And the women will close out four straight at home on Monday the 11th with a 6 p.m. tip against Stonehill College. For more information on Roberts Wesleyan Athletics, including scores, highlights, and more, visit their website, robertsredhawks.com, or follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. The Red Hawks recap is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Caroline Breeden works in the home office of Score International in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Not only does she work for that missions ministry, but she's also heavily involved in another one called Baseball Miracles. She now joins us via the BTG studio line. Caroline, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for taking your time to talk to us. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Based on your work with two different missions ministries, clearly worldwide outreach is important to you. I know that you've been to a number of different countries doing missions work. How did you first get involved in missions? My story is a little bit different. My father's job took us overseas when I was about seven years old. And so I have, it took us to Egypt, Cairo, Egypt. And so I grew up overseas for the majority of my life in different countries in Africa. And so I think that's really where the Lord began to work on me and kind of create a missional heart in me. Um, of course, now, you know, being a little bit older and having more experience, I know that living missionally is something that I think we're all called to do. But I think the Lord just began to work in my heart just from a very young age, just being really in the heart of places that people would call the mission field. My parents weren't missionaries, but... I was surrounded by a lot of missionaries growing up and just seeing poverty like I saw it firsthand at a very young age, I think changed me in a lot of ways and really made me realize the importance of missions. And um, it's taken me to the place where right now I'm fortunate and very excited to be working with nonprofit that specifically does mission trips. And so, yeah, that's kind of my story. How many countries have you been to? Um, so total, I've been to 16. Um, not all of those, yeah, not all of those were for mission directly, but yeah, total 16. You referred to this in your answer a minute ago, and I believe that if they are able, everyone should take a short-term missions trip from time to time. I think it makes such a positive impact on people in many different ways. You, you must agree with that, that it's good for people. What ways do you see lives impacted on such trips? So I absolutely think that's a great question. Um, I definitely agree with you that I do believe that if they're able, mission trips are just a really awesome tool, not only for the people who are going, but also for the people who are being ministered to on the trip. I would say that mission trips are extremely impactful just for the people going on the trips. I know that their lives are changed in a number of ways. First of all, you know, you're 
in a group with people you may or may not know. And so that automatically will bring people closer going on the trips. And I think that God uses that to really unite people who do go on these trips. And it breaks down barriers. It breaks down cultural stigmas for people who are traveling, let's say, from the U.S. who have never been on a mission trip before and they go to some rural country in um, Africa, then they're going to experience culture shock. And there's going to experience a lot of challenges and a lot of things that their eyes are going to be open to that they've never been exposed to before. And I think that that is awesome. I think it's so important to be challenged as an individual spiritually and also physically. And I think that's what mission trips do. I'm really all for and I really believe in Mission trips, but not only just going on short-term missions and then just kind of, you know, the mentality of going and giving something and then leaving and never going back. I believe in there should be some type of sustainability or you should be going with intentions to spread the gospel, which is something eternal, or empowering the people who you are going to meet on the mission field so that you leave them with a skill or you leave them, you know, with the love of Christ that will change them eternally and not just giving them handouts. And so that's something I'm really proud of that SCORE does is our slogan is, you know, short-term trips, long-term effects. And um, I really believe that that's something that SCORE does really well. We've got Caroline Breeden from SCORE International on the BTG studio line talking with us about her work on the mission field. Before we talk more specifically about what you do at SCORE, I'm intrigued by baseball miracles. Last week on the program, we spoke with 12th Rock Ministries, which is down in the Hudson Valley area of New York, where I grew up. Uh, And I understand that baseball miracles is there as well. They're in Marlboro, from what I understand. And that, that actually happens, Caroline, to be a rival high school of Rondout Valley, where I went. Back in the day, that was the old Ulster County Athletic League. Of course, nobody listening is probably old enough to remember that. But can you tell us about Baseball Miracles and the work that they do? Sure. So Baseball Miracles started five years ago with the founder, John Suminia, who actually lives in New York. He is currently a scout, a Hall of Fame scout with the Chicago White Sox. He started this group like I said, about five years ago. And basically what we are is a group of volunteers who travel to bring baseball to kids around the world. Our target is children who are um, who live in underprivileged areas or children who have never played the game before. So we've been to several different countries. We've been to South Africa, Kenya, Honduras, um, Ireland, this year, this past year, we went to Argentina and New Orleans. So we not only do international trips, but we also do domestic trips, just kind of wherever we feel the need is and wherever the spirit leads us um, is kind of where we take our team. But like I said, it's all volunteer. The children, when we go on the trips, we do clinics for the children that are free of charge. And then the children also get a ball and a glove with them so that when we do leave that they can kind of continue to play the game. And a lot of times we try and establish some type of partnership with the community so that when we leave that, you know, we're not just leaving and leaving the game with them, but we instead try and make it sustainable so that the children can play baseball after we're gone. It's really awesome to see how the game of baseball is used to just inspire hope We obviously go on the trips to teach baseball to kids, but I think it's a lot more than that. 
at the end of the day, our goal is just to love on the children, to bring hope to them. And, you know, we know the reason why we're doing it, to share the love of Christ. And because Christ first loved us, so we're called to love his children and the least of these. And that's kind of who we try and go to. I mean, we are just a group of random volunteer people who love the game of baseball and believe in the game and believe that God has called us for a purpose. And that purpose is to love others. And baseball is just the avenue that we use to show people that love. And it's really amazing to see a child put on a glove for the first time, despite the fact that, you know, they're surrounded by trash or we're on a dirt field. And like when we were in South Africa on a dirt field, um, the children, you know, are have no shoes and torn clothes, but yet putting a glove in their hand and giving them the hope of baseball and in turn something bit bigger, the hope of Christ is something really awesome. And I really believe in the mission of Baseball Miracles and what we've been able to accomplish through the Holy Spirit thus far. As I'm listening to you answer that, I the verse comes to mind about Judea, Samaria, the outermost parts of the world, and both score and baseball miracles don't overlook that. Of course, they go to, you've mentioned Kenya, Dominican Republic, you just got back mm-hmm. from Argentina, but you've been to New Orleans, and I, I know that um, you got a clinic coming up in Newburgh, I think I saw, for baseball miracles. So they're focused not only on the on the worldwide outreach, but the local and domestic outreach, and I appreciate that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important just because, like I said, missions happens everywhere you are. And depending on where the Holy Spirit leads us, it's just, you know, where we go. And I really believe that kid is a kid and baseball is baseball no matter where you are. And um, Christ can use any situation, any sport, any language and can define those barriers. Yeah. We don't think of it, but the United States is a mission field. On the heels of being in the Dominican Republic with SCORE, you just got back, as you said, from Argentina with Baseball Miracles. How did things go? What was the most impactful thing you saw on, well, maybe both those trips, Dominican Republic and and Argentina? For the Dominican Republic, that was, like you said, the trip with SCORE International. That trip was actually my first trip with SCORE, and it was a really eye-opening and really awesome trip to go on. And it just happened to be baseball, which I'm passionate about and I believe in. And so that trip was really impactful for me just to see the body of Christ all working together to create, you know, the full body of Christ. I saw missionaries who have literally given up everything and are living in the Dominican to minister to the locals. I saw gap students who are taking a year off of their life in the typical American college, what the world says, you know, you should go to college and then get married and they're defying those standards by going down to the Dominican and putting Christ first in their lives and ministering to others as well. And it was just really neat, you know, from the cooks to the drivers, to the missionaries, to all of the men who went on the trip and the women who stopped their routine and their everyday life um, here in the States to be able to come down and spend money and spend time to work in the Dominican with People, um, all for the love of Christ is, was really impactful for me to see and how it really does take the full body of Christ to accomplish his mission. And I really saw that being laid out in the, um, Dominican and I was really, really humbled by that. As far as Argentina goes, that was with Baseball Miracles. We went to Buenos Aires and we served at their national baseball stadium there. 
Um, over the course of the two days, we served over 300 kids, and we started at 9 a.m., and we didn't finish until about 6 p.m. both wow. days. And so, yeah, it was a long day. Of yeah. course, it's you know, getting to be summer there, so it was 90-plus degrees outside. I got the sunburn to show for it. <laughs> um so it was an awesome time. It was, you know, obviously exhausting in a lot of ways. But the one cool thing I think that was most impactful for me there was seeing the passion and the love of the game from these kids. Their families were out there. You know, I saw babies that were out there. And it was just really inspiring to see that what the game of baseball can bring. And furthermore, you know, we know that it's the love of Christ and it's God who can unite people from different countries, different nations, different races and cultures and economic statuses, and just use this simple game to just spread his love and to bring joy and hope. I know, you know, for me growing up, I probably would have been complaining a lot of the time, and I did not hear one complaint from any of the Argent people in the Argentina. I didn't hear any of the kids complain or any of the parents complain. And like I said, it was 90 degrees out, so that was just really awesome to see that God is so good. And despite the weather or you know the humidity or whatever it was, He's just really, really good. And I think that's the one thing that stood out to me the most about that trip. Let's talk about your job for a minute. What do you do there in the home office for SCORE? I, I know that you were involved in the logistics of getting, I don't know, what we have, 150, 200 people in the Dominican a few weeks back. I mean, that had to be quite an undertaking. Yes. I, um, my kind of role with SCORE is a new position. So I recently started, and my role is, my official title, I guess, is administrative associate, and then I'm also an in-house flight coordinator. So for teams that want to go on short-term mission trips in the future, they can now book their flights through SCORE International, which will be awesome because I know a lot of trip leaders already have enough on their plates. So to be able to organize the flights for them, I think will be a huge help. And then also November Baseball is going to be my project for the years coming. I'll kind of take on that and also take on, you know, the logistics again for the trips in the future and just kind of coordinating those trips. We're talking with Caroline Breeden from SCORE International on the BTG studio line. Caroline, I always like hearing how a person first came to realize they needed forgiveness of sins and how, you know, the circumstances surrounding how they accepted God's grace in their life. Would you mind sharing with us your salvation story? Sure. I grew up, both of my parents are Christian and have been for a very long time. So I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household where Christ was at the center, and I saw a really good example from my mother and my father, who, you know, are very strong and firm believers. You know, I went to church every Sunday and Wednesday, and it wasn't until I was about 13, I was living in Cairo, Egypt at the time, and I was talking with my pastor there, and it just kind of hit me that, you know, I am a sinner and that I do need a Savior. And it was then that I decided that Jesus was who I want to live my life for, that I do believe that he is the son of God and that he did die for my sins and rise from the dead three days later. And so I made that decision in Cairo, Egypt, and I actually got baptized in a plastic Barbie pool. <laughs> so that's kind of a unique thing, but that's all they had at the church that time. So whatever works. Since then, it's, I'd just really say it's been a journey. I haven't had, you know, a 
huge defining moment or um, a huge trial that's really made me question my faith or anything like that. And I used to kind of take that as a sign that, you know, maybe the Lord wasn't working in my life as much as he was in someone else's life who has had, you know, a very big story about how they came to Christ. But now I really think I can look back and see the sovereignty of God throughout my entire life, see just his steady goodness throughout my life. It's really neat to see his sovereignty no matter what country I was in, no matter what city I was in, you know, because I have traveled a lot. But God is there, and He's always there. He's never changing. He's always the same. I can go to Kenya and see His love just as much as I can right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, like I said, it's just a journey, and I think every day is a decision, you know, to live for Christ and to not choose the world and to not choose, you know, the things of this world and my own pleasures, but rather to choose Christ. And so, I think that's the decision that you have to make every day to wake up and say, today I'm going to serve Christ and not the world. And so, yeah, it's definitely a journey and I'm definitely still learning, but I'm very thankful for the grace of God in my life. Before we let you go, is there anything we can pray about this week for you? Um, Specifically, I would say that I, I would just ask for prayer to just be a good steward of the resources, the time. Um, the gifts and the talents and the um, job that he's given me. I just want to be a good steward of that. And then more specifically, I guess, for the two missions that I'm involved in with SCORE International as well as Baseball Miracles, you know, they're obviously nonprofit, so they do require financial needs that, you know, need to be met, especially as the year, the year comes to a close. But also just prayer is so important and impactful. And I'm realizing that, um, you know, that prayer is, really the driving force behind these two ministries. And so I just ask for prayer for both of the ministries. Caroline, I want to thank you again for joining us. Do you want to take a minute and tell folks how they can get a hold of you or find out more about going on a short-term missions trip with either SCORE or Baseball Miracles? Sure. I would love to talk to anyone that's interested. If you just want to talk about, you know, short-term missions or just um, talk about my experiences or I'd love to hear your stories. So you can reach me at Caroline at scoreintl.org. That's my email. And then Score International has a website. It's scoreintl.org. You can look at, you know, the different ministries that we support all over the world. And then also Baseball Miracles has a website and that's just baseballmiracles.org. And um, yeah, there you can see pictures and it's really cool to see just pictures of kids with, you know, hot dogs or and take me out to the ball game or hitting a ball for the first time. So um, I'd encourage y'all to take a look at some of the pictures there. That's Caroline Breeden from Score International talking with us. And I would encourage you to give her a call if you've ever had a thought of going on a short-term mission trip. Maybe you've never been. I promise you it'll impact your life. Give her a call. Visit their website, scoreintl.org. By the way, I did have to verify the pronunciation of her name. I mean, it's Carolyn, or is it Caroline? And I think that's one of those north-south things. I think here in the north, I've only ever heard it as Carolyn. Never met a Caroline from the north. So when you, if you do give her a call, make sure you know you're not asking for Carolyn. You're asking for Caroline. We got a lot more to do on today's show. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program with Rick Benson and Zach Barlett. There's a fiery cross 
Next Pro Training will be hosting their third annual College Instructional Baseball Clinic coming up December 19th through the 21st. This three-day event is run by current college coaches from multiple levels. With a total of 12 different coaches over the course of the three days, your son will get the very best instruction as well as more exposure than most showcases offer. For more information, contact Next Pro Training at 585-413-3111. Once again, that's 585-413-3111 or visit nextprotraining.com. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play, or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. Earlier in the program, we had Dan Barello on during our shenanigans segment. We started talking about the whether or not Juju Smith-Schuster deserved that suspension that he got for the for the hit on Vontez Perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what the NFL is doing, Zach. You gave one game to George Iloka. You gave one game to Juju Smith-Schuster, and you gave one game to Rob Gronkowski. My problem is, well, you overturned Iloka's already. Mm-hmm. And do I think that was intentionally dirty? I, I don't think so. I think it, he meant to lead with the head. He wanted, because he saw Perfect carried out on a cart, I think Iloka wanted to hit Antonio Brown extra hard. He wanted some extra mustard on that hit. Mm-hmm. He led with his helmet, but I don't think he intended to hit Antonio Brown in the head. But Antonio Brown kind of shifted position, lowered his mm-hmm. head a little bit, and the contact was made. I think you get suspended because you led with the helmet. Look, you got to get these plays out of the uh, out of the game, mm-hmm. and I know what Dan said that he believes we're kind of pansifying the game a little bit. I- I'll take that. Look, I-, I think the savagery of the game is getting out of control. These guys are so big and they're so strong and they're hitting so hard. Mm-hmm. Player safety is a concern. I'd love for some of these guys to meet some of the older players who who are struggling, who mm-hmm. have brain injuries, and, and you know you've seen the concussions. We have a lot of information now, and you said that there are shenanigans. So I think if you lead with your helmet, you get suspended. Yeah. I don't think it was intentional. I think it was intended to be hard. Smith Schuster, I, I don't think that was I- I- intentional. Mm-hmm. However, I do think it was a little high. So. I think the suspension is warranted. I've seen it. It's close, man. I've seen it a bunch of times. At first, I didn't think it was. I thought it was perfectly clean. Now I think it's it, it, it's a little too high. I think a one game there is appropriate. I, I, I don't know how, in Iloka's case, you see enough to fine him, but not enough to suspend him. Yeah. I don't know how. I think the NFL handcuffed itself when it, a couple of weeks ago, when Mike Evans came clear across the field and... Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Marcus Lattimore? Yeah. Is, that, is that who it was that he hit from behind after mm-hmm. the whistle was dead? And that's the big difference for me when it comes to Gronkowski. 
both Iloka and Smith Schuster were results of football players. Mm-hmm. Bang, bang type action. Gronkowski, it was well after the whistle, or at least after the whistle. You can determine whether it was well after or not. And you see him sort of adjust his steps so that mm-hmm. he can get his balance to put as much force into the elbow to the back of Tredavious White's head. I think there's no place for that. I think he should deserve, he gets two or three game, games suspended. What do you think? I would have been fine with giving him the rest of the season. And I know that's going to sound harsh and it's maybe it's because I'm a Bills fan or whatever. But I mean, this is 2017, first of all. We know so much about concussions now and the damage that it, like you said, can last a lifetime. Guys are committing suicide. Guys are shooting the girlfriends. Guys are beating people. Guys are forgetting years of their careers and suffering permanent lasting brain damage from concussions. And here's a guy who purposely lines up well after the play is over, stutter steps to get into position, and drops the elbow on the back of a defenseless guy's head. You know, Tredavious White said uh, on Thursday, he said, you know, thank goodness he had his mouth guard in. He could easily have bitten his tongue off. He bit through his lip. Um, you know, here's a guy who's got to wear sunglasses inside in a dark room because he's had a brain trauma from this. And if you're Rob Gronkowski, you know, the other guys, like you said, it's a bang-bang play. It's a split-second decision in the heat of the moment. Rob Gronkowski was just frustrated because he didn't get a penalty flag that he thought he deserved, and then he went down and damaged a guy's brain, and then he walked off the field laughing about it, made an insincere apology to the media, didn't even have Tredavious White's name, just called him number 27. To me, that's despicable, and it deserves a suspension for the rest of the season and a hefty fine. I would take into consideration the fact that this seems somewhat out of character. To throw the rest of the season, I wouldn't argue against it, But I don't know that that's what I would do. Here's something to consider. A couple weeks ago, Michael Crabtree and Aqib Tlaib get into it. Somebody snatches a necklace. They're wrestling each other to the sideline. They were initially given two games for that. For that. That involved nobody's brain being injured. And then you have this play with Rob Gronkowski. Now, I know that they eventually were lowered to one game apiece. Here's Rob Gronkowski purposely after a play injuring somebody's brain, and he only gets the same suspension that those guys got. That, to me, is ridiculous. You make a great point. Listen, they got to get this out of the game. And you're not a dirty player until you make your first dirty play. Mm -hmm. And it may have been out of character for him, and it may be out of character for what you see in New England Patriot players. But now that you've done it, you're a dirty player. Mm -hmm. That could have gone very badly. You mentioned the apology. And I think that's a big thing. And now, look, I should remove myself a little bit probably from the Ron Gronkowski thing because I do have a problem with Gronkowski. I don't mm-hmm. like that party persona, that celebration of drunkenness that yeah. I think he projects. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. <laughs> but the apologies – and now here's here's Smith-Schuster. He says, want to say prayers for my dog Ryan Shazir. Man, we're all praying for you. God has a plan. He goes on, this is via Twitter, right after that game Sunday. I don't have any intentions to hurt anyone when I play football. I didn't mean to hurt Vontez Perfect. Just wanted to throw a block for my teammate. I apologize for standing over him, and that isn't me praying he gets better. Now, look, it's hard to have sympathy for a guy like Perfect. Mm -hmm. I get it. Fans, I've heard so many things said this week about, oh, he got what he deserved. It's. I was glad to see him carted glad to see him carted off the field that's sick i had to check myself a little bit because i caught myself saying a few of those things and i had to think about the fact that you know 
all the things that I'm saying about how Tredavious White could have suffered permanent brain damage and all this stuff, that applies to Burfict as well. He's still a human being with, you know, a life to live outside of football. And I really had to check myself and make sure that I wasn't stooping to that level as well. My problem is twofold beyond the fact that Gronkowski's was completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. It was to the head and it was after the whistle was blown. The play was dead. That should automatically be more than one game. I'm not defending Tom Brady, but that guy got four games for letting air out of a football. Mm -hmm. That's not going to put somebody in concussion protocol. Even I mean, it's cheating, but it's not going to put somebody in concussion protocol. As I said, it's hard to have sympathy for Burfecht. Antonio Brown yelling karma, karma, that I thought would have been worthy worthy of a fine at least. I, mm-hmm. I can't suspend a guy for that, but that sort of thing keeps the the animosity between those two teams going. You, mm-hmm. You're going to expect it the next time they play. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 17, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Good for you for checking yourself. I get it. Perfect seems to be a jerk, at least on the field he does. But I can't be pleased when the guy gets injured, when the guy gets carted off. That sentiment is what prevents many well-intentioned believers from forgiving someone who has hurt them or sharing the gospel with somebody who they don't like or they think maybe is not going to respond because they're too hard. What we want to see is a repentant heart. Of course, we want to see that. But for many, it would be their preference that that repentance is a result of some suffering. And, and that's not what that Bible verse, Proverbs twenty four seventeen, would have us. I, I, I heard it this way recently. A guy was talking about a, a set of scales. So imagine a set of scales. And he said, on one side, put all those things that people have done wrong to you. And you, in, in the situation we're talking about, put all the things Vontez Perfect has done wrong. Put all the things that maybe a rebellious child has done to hurt you or a boss or a coworker or problems you have. But then on the other side of the scales, put all the things that you've done to offend God. Mm-hmm. And which way do the scales tip? Well, they tip against you. Our offenses against God far outweigh what people have done to us. And yet God gave his life on the cross to pay for our sins. What kind of love is that? Only the love of God. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And here's the big difference. You alluded to it in the suspensions. Smith-Schuster's apology seems sincere. Rob Gronkowski's had no repentance in it. Smith-Schuster's contains lines like, I don't have intentions to hurt anybody. I didn't mean to hurt Vontez Perfect. I apologize for standing over for praying he gets better. Even the Bucks, Mike Evans, after that game a few weeks ago, said it was something I shouldn't have did. It was very childless, and I shouldn't have did that. Both of those apologies seem repentant to me. And to be fair, at least Gronkowski tried. At his locker, he said, I'm not in the business of that. There was a lot of frustration, and I was just really frustrated at that moment. It just happened naturally through emotions and frustration, and I just want to apologize to Jadavius White. What he communicated to me there is what you said. He was frustrated with the rest, and he took it out on Jadavius White because there was no flag call. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's doing. He's, there's no repentance there. There's a lot of justification. Mm-hmm. I did this because I was frustrated. Look, as sinners, which according to Scripture we all are, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. 
Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As sinners, God is looking, he's not looking for us to go justifying our sins. Well, God, I was angry or, or I was frustrated, so that's why I did what I did. He's not looking for us to explain it. As we prepare for Christmas, uh, the, the birth of, of a Savior, Jesus came to die on a cross to provide a way for man to be forgiven of sins, to be redeemed into a right relationship with God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What God is looking for is a sorrowful, repentant heart. It's not what we saw in Rob Gronkowski. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And don't you think that's what most people are? Mm-hmm. Look, man, if, if, if you're repentant and if you're apologetic, people are usually a little, okay, you know, let's not let this happen again. We're all sinners. We're all in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Jesus Christ, born in a manger for the sole purpose that he live a sinless life and then give that life on a cross as a sacrifice to make forgiveness of sins possible. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in in salvation. Now there's a chance that somebody listening right now doesn't know for sure where they would spend eternity should they die today. They've never asked God to forgive them. They've never considered the things they've done wrong. And if that's you, I pray that you would Consider what God has given so that you might be forgiven. Forgiveness is available to all people. Jesus died for all. Talk to God. Tell him you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and that he was buried and rose again three days later. Start a new life. Turn away and repent from sins. That's what we're looking for from Rod Gronkowski. That's what we feel we've got even from Mike Evans and we feel we've got from Smith-Schuster. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, visit our website, btgprogram.com. We have it spelled out pretty clearly, we think, there under the Know Jesus, K-N-O-W tab. It's there on the right-hand side of our website. And if you would like prayer, please don't hesitate to send us a note. All our contact information is there on the website. I want to thank you for being with us. We're going to come back here and close up the show for this week. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back in. Thanks for sticking with us. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, taking you through what's left of the hour here on the Beyond the Game program. Proverbs 27.23 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. It's important, of course, to keep a good watch over those we've been given the responsibility to do so. And this was not lost on medical personnel during a recent college basketball game between South Carolina State and host North Carolina State. Not quite halfway through the first half, 
South Carolina State's Tyvora Solomon collapsed on the sideline, causing a 40-minute delay as medical personnel rushed to perform CPR. NC State Wolfpack's head coach Kevin Keats even went to the opposing bench, putting his arm around one of the South Carolina coaches. The arena went silent as players, coaches, and fans could be seen crying and praying during the incident. Solomon was eventually stabilized, taken to a local hospital, accompanied by his head coach, Murray Garvin. South Carolina State players voted to continue the game, and NC State fans gave them a standing ovation as they returned to the floor. North Carolina State would ultimately win the game, but the important thing is that from the hospital, South Carolina State coach Murray Garvin texted to ESPN that Ty is awake and responding. He says, thank you, everyone, for all the prayers. And get this, Garvin also said that Solomon's heart had indeed stopped and that he was resuscitated by South Carolina State's athletic trainer. That athletic trainer, those who prayed, the classy gesture by fans, opposing coaches and players, and the quick response by all the medical personnel is what I like this week. What I like this week was a gesture by the Pittsburgh Steelers after their linebacker, Ryan Shazier, suffered a potentially severe spinal injury against the Bengals on Monday night. The Steelers sent a private plane to bring Shazier's family to Cincinnati so they could be with him in the hospital. If I was in the hospital with something that severe, I know I'd want my family with me. So that gesture by the Steelers to bring Ryan Shazier's family to be with him is what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? This has been the Beyond the Game program. If you haven't been there, give our website a look, btgprogram.com. There you'll find information about the program. You'll find past broadcasts and detailed information on what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and how you can know him as your Savior. And I never completely feel comfortable mentioning this. But at the website, you can also make a donation to this radio ministry. It's because of the support of listeners like you that we're able to share the gospel with listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. Pray about becoming a financial supporter of this ministry, won't you? And know this, we are extremely grateful for your support. And just one more thing before we go, check out the hard work our producer Zach Barletta puts into researching and telling the stories found on his Myth and Mysteries podcast. If you like curious stories, unsolved mysteries, and other such things, then this podcast is for you. Myth and Mysteries is available on iTunes and Google Play, or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at the same time. Be bold, and be great this week, everybody. 